0: I'm ASAN, and we are back in the room to talk more FFP. I didn't expect that to happen quite so quickly, but here we are. Um Firstly, I'm joined by Stefan. Good afternoon, Stefan. Thank you for doing this second time in the same day. Um, we are going to talk about the recent ruling that uh the Court of Arbitration for Sport made with regards to City's preemptive appeal to them. Uh with regards to FFP, and actually what we're really going to talk about is maybe some of the signposts within that appeal with regards to what City feel, what City's arguments are, how Cass might feel, what wafers arguments are, all that kind of stuff. Um, Stefan, is that a fair characterization of what this podcast is going to be?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's some interesting stuff in the, in, in the original Cass' rejection of City's case um, that I just... Just reading it just before, it occurred to me that actually it gave us some interesting guidance as to where City's head is at. Um, Less so where UEFA's head is, but what it will—it'll raise some some flags of concern, I think, in respect of the fact that City have raised some of their arguments already, uh, and it's got through a very senior judge um, in the. control body uh, adjudicatory chamber and therefore you know I think some of that is is a concern but um, more interestingly I, th- I think it just gives some some fine detail on it so we'll go through it it's going to be useful I think anybody listening to this uh, to open up the cast uh, judgment which is we, linked if in if the between points to certain things um, so we'll try and make it hang together without it but but I think it's going to be better. For people to to see what we're referring to in terms of the actual uh, paragraphs of that judgment, because it it really goes into quite some detail um, about City's position. Okay, where do you want to begin? Well, should we just start briefly on what that what that preemptive strike was? Yeah, explain um, it to me. So, in essence, it was two pronged. Um, I mean, I've only done a very quick review of it, but it was effectively two pronged saying that um, the substance of the uh, referral was was wrong um, and should never have been uh, referred to the adjudicatory chamber and uh, that the leaks that appeared largely in the New York Times uh, were such that uh, the whole process was both needed to be stopped but also was prejudiced um, such that um, it was against um, the rules And that Cass could intervene at this point because a decision, formal decision, had been taken in the referral um, to to put it through to the chamber, i.e. that it was something that Cass could give its view on. Um, In doing so, you get some of the chronology around some of the detail of the correspondence that had happened over time and also of some of the arguments that are made um, and some of the findings by Cass. Now, the first thing to say is that Cass, if you go straight to the end of the judgment, uh, they effectively rejects City's ability to bring it to Cass's attention at this point, um, for various reasons. I won't, to be honest, it's, it's not that relevant, um, in, in, in terms of, uh, what it means for the overall case, because effectively Cass say, uh, we hear your argument, City, but don't think you're right in terms of, the final decision being made um, and you haven't been prejudiced in any event um, because you can always bring it back to us at a later stage and furthermore we would expect the, um, the UEFA processes and adjudicatory chamber to take account of your complaints in coming up with a fair decision when they ultimately do which of course we know has now occurred um, there are various other things that where city, uh, you know, where it shows city's thinking on claims for damages in terms of the breach of confidence of uh, disclosing the, uh, the, the status of the case to the New York Times and other journalists. And city have particularized four or five different leaks, all of which we are familiar with, but but it's interesting to see the way that they framed it. Are they on page three of the judgment? Is that right? Uh, so if you go to, if you wanted to look at the particularization of each individual leak, they can be found from clauses 12 onwards, paragraphs 12 onwards, which is page, yeah. then has yeah, no page three. numbers unhelpfully, but it's paragraph 12 onwards. Um, and it's all of the New York Times articles, um, largely and I think there's one other so first leak, second leak, third leak New York Times and Associated Press. Uh uh fourth leak is AP sources uh again and fifth leak is the sun. Um so I mean we will if you were to go back and and think about all of the things that we've seen over time you'll be familiar with all of these uh all of these um articles we we saw mm. them all blow by blow as they came out city have gone in and said well they're all in breach of confidence and in breach of the process and and have damaged the process irreparably such that everything needs to be abandoned that that effectively was rejected i'm not going to go into the detail of all of it um but it's all set out there it you know, it's a read that you should be able to uh, largely digest um, from from a quick read if you're that way inclined and interested. I think what people have been pointing to in the press about um, some of the things that um, some of the things that have been said by the uh, uh, by, by uh, Cass on on the alleged leaks themselves. Uh, Mm -hmm. they're referred to in paragraph 113 towards the end of the document page there there is page numbers at the top actually so it's page 31 so what they say is the panel is mindful not to trespass on the authority of the judicatory chamber to address the procedural complaints in detail however it must be noted that mcfc's complaints as to the leaks do not on the face of it appear to be entirely without merit's particularly concerning the first and second leaks, the New York Times articles, and the fifth leak, which is the Sun article, which refers to an insider at UEFA as the source. Uh, the panel- So let me just, yeah, I just on. want
0: to ask you something. I want to clarify something, right? Because i that, to me, feels big. And what I mean by that is, if I understand this correctly, what the Court of Arbitration for Sport are saying is that City's argument at the very top, which is that this is meant to be a private and confidential process, and it was almost judged before it was meant to be judged, because these leaks suggest that that's good for City, right?
1: Yeah, it is, and the, the I mean, you know, there is a there is a so what argument uh, that that will be run in due course, especially if they say, well, it was just a leak. Um, And the decision either had already been made, in which case it was a leak of a decision that had been made, which is a breach of confidence, but doesn't impact the decision of the referral itself. And therefore, what are you moaning about? Because it would have made no difference whether they'd released the information, leaked it or not. That's a problem with it. I think what's more interesting is the language that's used. And, you know, CAST doesn't really have to give any... You know, in these sorts of judgments, the, the judge or judges... Often you, you should work on the basis they don't need to say anything about things that are not directly relevant to the judgment. So where yeah. they where they step outside of that, and you see it actually it, even more so a little bit in paragraph one one four, where where you because so, in paragraph one one four it says it puzzles the panel how the CFCB chief investigator could be so confident to and then in quotes vehemently reject Manchester City's allegations of unlawful activities blah, 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 and to state that City's allegations regarding leaks were groundless in the merits and to assure MCFC that at no time, blah, 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 had anybody violated the rights of the club. So what, what the panel's saying, and again, it doesn't need to say this, is how could the chief investigator say that if they hadn't actually done an investigation, which suggests that actually in saying it, it hadn't been properly um, based upon any any facts and therefore You know, they've just said, hmm, this smells a little bit, is really what they're saying in that clause. But there is a strong strong possibility that it's all, so what? What do you mean? Because it may be, it's all, it doesn't smell very good, but from a legal perspective or from an actual impact to the judgment, the ultimate judgment that will come in the future of an appeal, it, it, it may well be irrelevant. It but how can saying. it
0: be? How can it be irrelevant? If so, okay. I guess that I'm going to re- rephrase that. It, the The thing that you've just quoted says that what What puzzles the panel is how sure the chief investigator can be that cities that the allegation, that they reject the allegations of unlawful activities. And also they say that at no time do myself or any fellow members of the IC have violated any of your, any rights of your club. So does that imply that if rights of the club have been violated, that that would make the judgment itself, uh, null and void?
1: Does that make sense? Uh, for uh, arguably, but I think what's more likely to happen is, that this is now consigned to history in that even if the CFCB investigator and uh, and that stage of the process was flawed, ultimately it did end up at the adjudicatory chamber. The The adjudicatory chamber made a decision and it is that which is subject to the appeal and not the earlier part of the process. And they will, I think, assume that the adjudicatory chamber, given that it is independent, was able to look through the process flaws. They, w- they knew about the, f- the flaws in the process because City told them in correspondence. Mm-hmm. They-, they were able to look through it and came to their decision independent of those flaws in the process. And therefore, for the sake of the CAS appeal, they're irrelevant. But hold on. But so, okay, fair enough. Uh, so they're not
0: rules then. So effectively, what you're telling me is that actually, like, even though, even though, like, how do I phrase this? How do I, to me, this feels like exactly the kind of technicality that PSG used to wriggle out of
1: everything. No, well, we'll come on to, we'll come on to limitation, which is really, as far as I can see, the principal argument city have got is in respect of what's called limitation, which is the, the time since, the actions that are now being attempted to be prosecuted are now being brought to the attention of the panel. So I, th- I think you, what well, you have to understand generally about cases in any sort of environment, uh, whether it's law, uh, sorry, whether it's British courts or European courts or sports, whatever it is, there are matters where people say, where a judgment might say, I don't think that this was appropriate. I don't, uh, I don't think this was right uh, I think that they made a mistake here. But then you've got to ask yourself, well, what was the damage caused by it? And often often you come up with a situation where uh, where somebody could be criticized, but actually they say, well, it made no difference anyway. So it was irrelevant. And okay. therefore, yes, it might not look good in the judgment, but actually in the overall t- scheme of things, it was irrelevant to the outcome.
0: Okay. So then let's maybe look at the argument on limitation.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it, so... There's there's an interesting thing straight away, which is which is always a red flag in terms of the other side's concern on on limitation. Um, if you go to paragraph six on page two, it gives you the relevant dates as to when the original settlement agreement that I've been banging on about for a very long time um, and is really likely to be very very central to to the case, um, but in a slightly different way to the way that I've been talking about, although I assume that will be an alternative argument that's also raised. So on the 16th of May 2014 is the key date in respect of the settlement agreement being entered into by City. Uh, it specifies here that City did not admit any breach. That would be normal in a settlement agreement, that either neither party would admit effectively anything, but that both parties accept that the best thing to do is to enter into a settlement agreement and move on. Now, mm-hmm. fast forward five years, and if you go to, interestingly, all of the leaks occur on or about the 14th of May 2019. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, sorry, 16th of May uh, 2019, which you will notice is exactly five years from the date of the settlement agreement. Wow. Now, why is that, that relevant? To, to the date. It's five years. Five years from the date of the settlement agreement. Okay. okay. Now, why is that relevant? Well, it's relevant because when you go down and scroll down to... Uh, sorry, should have should have flagged this up before. Uh, it's okay. Rule 37, Article 37 of the Procedural Rules.
0: What? So that's number 37? Uh, procedural and... Rules
1: of UEFA. Now, what the Procedural Rules of UEFA say... In Article Thirty Seven is, in summary, that all breaches, uh, any breaches, after five years, you effectively can't challenge. Okay, so uh, you can find all of this. It is all online. I did have it open a minute ago. I'll try and find it as I'm as I'm speaking, just so I can. Uh just so I can read you the exact part of the constitution, but I'm not sure I'm going to be able to. So this is from UEFA's own constitution. Yeah, so these are the relevant p- rules yeah. around this particular point. Okay. So okay. article 37 is is all about limitation and limitation is the time in which you're able to go back and uh, you know effectively um, uh, make claims and charges against um, Against parties under your own rules. Okay, so I don't think there's any. I think this is just common ground. That that's what the rules say. uh, That that's the you know that's the the uh, the key gate. The key will then be in ascertaining what does five years mean in the context of this. Now it's interesting in itself. I can't I can't get it open in in time to, to to go through exactly what it says. But if you go through down to um. Uh, paragraph 49 on page 10, it gives you a summary of City's position in respect of the, the Cass case that they brought, but more interestingly, some quite specific stuff about the actual ultimate case. So a lot of it you can effectively just ignore because it's neither here nor there for the, for these purposes. But if you go to about halfway down page 11... It says the IC has exceeded its jurisdiction in making the referral decision. Now, there's a few different branches to what to what this is saying is City's position. And This is quoting directly from from City's submissions to CAS. City say first of all that the decision makes no allegations concerning reporting periods 2016, 2017, and 1718, which are the only periods that it had jurisdiction to review and on which it stated itself its investigation was focused so what they're saying there is it's a bit of a similar thing well not it's not dissimilar from the psg situation which is saying you as the um uh, as as the uh, relevant decision making committee said you were reviewing 2016 2017 but you've actually but but you're actually not alleging any breaches in respect of those periods and therefore your referral to the adjudicatory chamber is invalid and meaningless because you're not you don't have a jurisdiction to look at anything before 2016-17. Mm-hmm. It also says then breaches alleged against City before 2016-17 are covered by the settlement agreement. So what they're saying, City then say that not only in any event was the IC not looking at 2016, sorry, was not um, reporting breaches for 2016, 2017, but anything before 2016, 2017 is covered by the settlement agreement and therefore can't be challenged. City then break that down to say, not only was the 2014 settlement agreement binding, but it also created what's quoted to be a settlement regime. Now, settlement regime is... Is the terminology that's used when, in 2017, UEFA make an announcement on its website that because now time has passed since the um, since the settlement agreement was entered into, that uh, and this we'll link this in the in the pod notes as well. Um, it says that the investigatory chamber confirmed that Dinamo Zagreb, whose settlement was concluded in 2016, Manchester City, and PSG whose settlement agreements were signed back in May 2014, have fully complied with all requirements and the overall objective of their agreements. Consequently, they have all exited the settlement regime. Okay? So that was an announcement made by UEFA on the 21st of April 2017. Mm -hmm. City, in essence, are saying that, one, the settlement agreement was binding and didn't cover anything after... Uh, 2016 2017 because it didn't need to it covered anything up to 2016 2017 all the breaches that you're complaining about were before 2016 2017 and in any event you gave effectively a formal release from the settlement regime when you made the announcement on the 21st of april 2017 so you aren't able to go back and reopen any of that stuff. It's closed, gone, finished. On top of that, you are also time barred under the limitation, your own limitation rules that say you can't go back and look at things more than five years uh, back by virtue of the fact that five years uh, from looking back from the um, 15th of May 2019. So the reason that I mentioned the five year is because. When you go through and find out when the referral actually occurred, you find out that the referral was probably rushed through on the 15th of May 2019. So I mentioned that the leaks were all around the 16th. Well, the 16th was five years. 16, so the 16th of May 19 was five years from the signing of the limitation agreement. Uh, so, sorry, from the settlement agreement.
0: So the nineteenth of May when they actually get to uh when they actually open this proceeding is three days too late
1: no it's one day in time according to their timetable okay according to so if you look at um if you look at fifteen paragraph fifteen on page three yeah on fifteenth of may twenty nineteen Before the referral decision was issued, MCFC wrote to the Investigatory Chamber about the second leak. 16. The Investigatory Chamber did not respond to MCFC's request at that time and instead, I put the word in instead, but issued the referral decision in the evening of 15th of May 2019 on the eve of the five-year anniversary. Wow. Okay. So they must know by doing that on exactly those dates. there is no question that UEFA are concerned about the five-year limitation period. What UEFA are trying to do, uh, this is all guesswork, but what, what I think they're trying to do is, is say that the limitation period, the only limitation period that they've got that might work for them is five years from the time of the settlement agreement. Now, I think that's weak, but they're just in. In terms of the five year from the settlement agreement. City will argue it's irrelevant because everybody knows that the limitation is from the time of the breach and not from the time of the settlement agreement. And City, so UEFA must be arguing that that the the key date for them that gets them just inside the five years is that the breach of the settlement agreement, which occurred, you know, which which they raised a day before the five-year limit. Now, I think that's going to be pretty weak. Now, the thing that concerns me slightly, though, on that point, is it seems like a very obvious point. And so I then looked at who, if you have a look at the announcement that they've made about the adjudicatory Chamber, it's chaired by Jose de Kuna Rodriguez, who is a, uh, a very, very senior judge, uh, uh, a European Court of Justice judge, uh, you know it seems to me quite unlikely that he would just wave through such an obvious point on on limitation so i'm a little bit puzzled by by that you know on one one side i think it seems to me as if they are out of time under their own rules this this rule 37 uh, which i referred to earlier But then on the other hand, how did how didn't the adjudicatory panel just go, well, you're clearly timed out. How could you how can we how can we find in your favour? Because it seems to me that you're very obviously in breach of the the time limitation. Now I don't know how it works in the adjudicatory chamber where only one party is playing ball if that's what's happened. And and certainly that's a suggestion there. That the only one party is playing, and and maybe therefore the judgment is can only be based on the information placed before it. And if nobody is placing the contra view, mm. then they can't consider the contra view, and therefore have to go ahead and say, assuming that the that this is not timed out by the statute of limitation that that that's in the rules, maybe maybe it's it's fine. I've, I've actually got a, Article Thirty Seven now. Whilst we've been talking. Article 37 of the UEFA uh, rules on this says, prosecution is barred after five years for all breaches of the UEFA club licensing and financial fair play regulations. Now, to me, that looks pretty clear that you cannot pursue things five years after the breach to which you're pursuing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what that looks to me as if anything before the 16th of May 2014, any breaches before that date are blocked and cannot be pursued by, uh, by UEFA. Um, and that will be, it seems, a key, um, a key piece of the dis- debate if the settlement agreement itself is not sufficiently binding on settling all of those matters. Of the two things,
0: right? Because that's quite interesting. Everything you've just said there, and for me, the thing that jumps out is that, on the face of it, either one of those things wins this for City, right? Like literally wipes the slate clean. Because if the if Cast take the view from uh, UEFA's own wording of this settlement agreement that it's binding and you can't go back and and retry it then it's done. And equally if cast aside that anyway the 5 year time for me that I I'm not a lawyer you tell me like in court if I would imagine that if the cut off date is 5 years and you land something the day before 5 years you're in
1: time, no? Well, so first of all limitation periods are are important right so uh if if something says you've got five years to bring a claim and you bring a claim five days and one year after uh courts will will readily say you're outside of the time um and you know those were the rules they were clear everybody signed up to them you've brought the claim too late it's finished you lose Mm -hmm. um and therefore the judgment is 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 overturned um this is slightly different in that you know i i all they're effectively saying is we've got in we've got we've got in 5 years before 5 years from the date of the settlement agreement i would say the, set, the date of the settlement agreement is actually relevant anyway um so uh, even though they got in 5 years from the date of the settlement agreement what they're not doing as far as i can tell is effectively prosecuting the settlement agreement what they're prosecuting is fundamental breaches that go they might have fed into the settlement agreement, but they're actually prosecuting the breaches themselves, the actions that were taken at various dates, whenever. Now, mm-hmm. to me, the, the, the way to look at it is almost the other way around. And to say, well, how do, how, what hurdles do UEFA need to jump to win? Okay? And they mm-hmm. have to jump, first of all, that they're not timed out. So that City are wrong and that the five-year limit doesn't apply, or to the extent that the five-year limit does apply, that the judgment made by the adjudicatory chamber only took into account those breaches within the five-year period. Okay, so I think from looking at this, without any of the documentation, it seems to me that it's very hard for UEFA to make uh, a claim for actions taken from May 14 onwards sorry before May 14 yeah so anything any breaches that we committed before May 14 seem to me to be very difficult to pursue okay save that obviously you could pursue a breach of the settlements agreement itself if that's if you felt that that was something that was that was a breach it obviously therefore occurred after May 14 and therefore is still captured within the limitation period hmm Okay. Uefa also have to jump the settlements agreement itself in terms of what does that say about whatever. So, what are the rules that were agreed to within what what city and what Uefa are calling the settlement regime? So, have city actually breached that? Uefa have also got to jump effectively city's sorry Uefa's announcement that say it's finished. It's all over. And presumably they wrote to City at the same time with a letter that says, we UEFA accept that you have fully complied with all the requirements and the overall objective of the agreement and you have now exited the settlement regime. They have to get over that. So all of these things will act as independent arguments and they'll all have to be jumped by UEFA to win. And if they
0: fall at any, any of the one hurdles, does the whole case fall? Or
1: no, I would could, say that something like the five-year limit is something that could partially, partially sustain itself because what what the what I think Cass could probably say, although I don't know enough about how Cass works, I mean it's, it could go either way. Cass could say, "Well, look, half of the stuff you could have made an adjudication about because it was within the five-year period." but that's not what you did. You took all the breaches as one. Half of them were outside of the period and half of them were inside. You've therefore breached the limitation period. Therefore, none of it works and therefore it all fails. Or they could say, well, that half was wrongly taken into account. shouldn't have been taken into account because it was outside of the limitation period. But we accept that you could have adjudicated on this other half and therefore the appropriate penalty should have been less and therefore we allow the appeal partially, we find, you know, so it's kind of split judgment and we mm. therefore think that the award should be whatever. And what if they, so
0: thinking about those hurdles again, if they fail to clear, is there one particular hurdle that if they fail to clear, the whole thing gets thrown out?
1: Um, well, yeah, I mean, the settlement agreement, the settlement agreement as a binding agreement that that takes account of the all the periods up to twenty sixteen seventeen so that's city's argument so if you look at um, look at page eleven mm-hmm. and look at uh about two thirds down the page city's perspective on this is that the settlement agreement created a bespoke settlement regime covering the entirety of the periods referred to in the referral decision, including to the end of the reporting period, 2015-16. Okay, so City is saying that the settlement agreement covered not only the periods before it was entered into in May of 14, but also the reporting periods in the future, effectively, 2015-2016. Now, that means that that the referral decision that's made was actually irrelevant because what they're saying just above that paragraph is that the investigatory chamber didn't have jurisdiction on anything but 2016 2017 and mm. 17 18 but then it's made it's made a referral based on matters from before those reporting periods and that's confirmed by the announcement that was made yesterday because what it says is if you have a look at the third paragraph the adjudicatory chamber having considered all the evidence has found that manchester city committed serious breaches of the uefa club licensing and ffp regulations by overstating its sponsorship revenue in its accounts and in the break even information submitted to uefa between 2016 and 20 sorry 2012 and 2016 so they can't have it both ways either if City are right that the settlement agreement covered the period up to 2016 and that settlement agreement is binding and or the announcement that was made that the clubs had exited the settlement regime, if that is right, if City are right, the whole case collapses because the allegation and the judiciary adjudicatory chamber have only found in respect of 2012 to 2016 they have not made a finding of the period after 2016
0: and man it's so crazy to be a football supporter and to have to be thinking about law and court cases in this way Um, I'm trying to get my head around all of this so what about the stuff that we talked about at the top of the podcast, like all of these New York Times leaks and you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Is there a is there a? Uh, I obviously we don't know what your wafer's arguments will be, but from c- the city side, is there is there a point at which like how how does Cass kind of top this up? You see what I mean? So yeah, you Cass for won't a go-
1: look at the leaks. The leaks are this is this is why I said at the start. There's there's a category of so what, and and the reality is that from Cass's perspective, they won't consider the leaks again. City tried to make a, a a case out of, effectively that because of the leaks, and in their words, and this is page twelve of the of the judgment, that and this is City's words: UEFA systematically breached and continues to breach its express obligations of confidentiality. In essence. And then they go on. The breaches have been timed such that MCFC suffers serious prejudice in these proceedings. These ongoing and egregious breaches undermine the very integrity of UEFA's adjudicatory process, which is a consensual dispute resolution mechanism with confidentiality at its core. They also fundamentally undermine UEFA's good faith participation in the process. So City made these very big statements and allegations. Effectively, Cassus rejected that as being... Interesting but irrelevant, and I think it will stay there. Um, I I think it's extremely unlikely that the leaks will have any ongoing mm. um, relevance to the case, either at Cass or.
0: But or in terms ongoing. of you, but in terms of UEFA's own credibility, right. Will there will there not be any impact? I just don't see how. Again, you know, obviously I'm on the city side, so I don't know the UEFA side. I don't know why I keep caveating everything I say with that. But if you're if you're looking at well, these guys want to retry this club, literally, even though their 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 limitation period either has expired or was expiring. Twenty-four hours later, they also want to retry a monitoring period that they entered into a settlement for five years ago. On top
1: of that, they've leaked. You see what I'm? You see what I'm getting at? Here? Yeah, is I, I ge- just think you get to a point where it's not relevant. So effectively, what this cast judgment said was, we can't judge any of the stuff, the substantive stuff that you just talked about, limitation periods, uh, settlement periods, all of that stuff. We're not judging any of it. We're not even hearing the evidence. Not yep. interested. That's what Cass effectively said. In terms of the leaks, they said it's irrelevant. In essence. Okay. Okay. So you might be right. They said, you might be right, but uh, there's still process to run here. And uh, and frankly, it's irrelevant. Uh, but yeah, we're quite puzzled as to how he could have said that. And yeah, it doesn't smell quite right. Uh, but you'll have your day to ch- to challenge this. Um, down the line, so actually you 've not been prejudiced at all, and we think that the adjudication chamber can deal with the procedural um, issues that you 've raised in any event in their in their decision making process so okay. you, you're not you're not being um, you've suffered no detriment by the fact that we're rejecting your arguments today okay um uh, if you were a
0: if you were a judge Start on CAS, looking at all this, what would your vibe be, Stefan? I get, feel-
1: well, I think the problem is we don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. So the things that are weighing in my mind at the moment are, first of all, UEFA have got this stuff wrong before on a, on a limitation, these sorts of fine detail points, which are really quite obvious points. They must know about them. So they must have known about it in respect of other cases as well, but went ahead anyway. So, what I think that points to is the fact that it's a quite a political situation with UEFA such that certain things happen. what I can't remember because i i I would need to look at it again is whether when the p s g thing was was thrown out um whether that had gone through the adjudicatory chamber or just um from the investigatory chamber in such that actually hadn't had any independent verification. But what I was going to say is what worries me slightly about the city situation is that it's such an obvious point and that the adjudicatory chamber does have such, um, you know, high quality judges sat on it. It seems to me that very obvious points shouldn't be easily defeated by, by appeals because, you know, no nobody sitting in an adjudicatory chamber would want to put something would want to make a final decision and then find that it was overturned by cass that's just embarrassing you know if you're a top judge you don't want you don't want to ever be overturned on appeal sure but at the same time don't you think that there
0: is i mean you know my impression of the adjudicatory chamber and the investigatory chamber and all of these things is that there's enough politics at play here that I could look in wake of the Der Spiegel leaks. It was pretty obvious from the direction of travel within the media from the comments that representatives of other big clubs had made very publicly that it was difficult to envisage a situation where UEFA weren't seen to be doing something so for me it's not then a stretch to get to a point where if there's a hair that you can split to kick it from the adjudicatory chamber to the invested to the investigatory chamber to be seen to be doing something i can imagine a political kind of motivation to do that
1: well yeah yeah yeah. well i can see the motivation the 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 problem is I don't know enough about the adjudicatory chamber to know how independent it is and uh, you know it seems to me surprising that if city have very clear and obvious points on limitation and if the settlement agreement is clear and obvious and if the letter of release that's referred to that was sent in April of 2017 is clear if all of these things are clear it seems to me very hard to see how the adjudicatory chamber can come up with a judgment that says that having considered all the evidence, that city committed serious breaches. Now, I can see, you know, I, I guess if you read paragraph three of their announcement they made yesterday, what it actually says is that the adjudicatory chamber, having looked at all the evidence, found that city committed serious breaches. What it doesn't say, which I still think is relevant, is that, however... All of that was dealt with by a settlement agreement and by the following facts, and therefore we can't, we can't move on it. But, you know, the two things can still be true. It can still be true that the, adjudica- the adjudicatory chamber concluded, having looked at the evidence, that, that City committed serious breaches of, of the licensing and financial fair play. That is possible. It's mm-hmm. still possible for that to be true and for City not to be liable for anything. And City's problem here anyway even if they are successful in the appeal, it goes back to what we talked about on the earlier pod, which is reputationally, it seems to me, City are not going to be going to Cass and saying, you're just wrong about the factual nature of your investigation, about the facts of the, the, uh, the sponsorship, about any of the actual um, the factual findings. What they're going to be saying is, from a procedural perspective, not procedural, from a legal perspective, it's all irrelevant. We don't need to argue out the facts because it's all it's all limitation barred. So you can't raise these claims anyway so that it's irrelevant whether we breached or not. And actually, we're not even going to argue the breaches with you. They may do, I don't know. But we're not even going to argue the breaches with you. We don't need to because we've entered into a settlement agreement and you can't get around the settlement agreement. So you must clear us. In that scenario... Uh, the Oliver, Tyne, the Oliver Case of this world, uh, he's written an article on the um, on the Athletic. He won't be happy, you know. And part of the problem around City's cas uh, push and the way that it's expressed in there is, it's a very anti. Uh, the journalist would 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 hate that case because what that's City's main complaint in that case is not that they d- didn't do wrong it's that uefa shouldn't have leaked it to the journalists mm-hmm. well you know journalists hate that sort of stuff well of course but i mean i don't really
0: have a uh like I, d- I mean again i'm not a lawyer i don't know but i'm i'm okay with the idea that you have a court and you have uh or you have some type of you know court system and some type of legal system and that before that everybody involved keeps their gob shut and I think that obviously from city's point of view it's in their interest to keep their gob shut and for them to allow the due process whatever that due process is to take place and quite frankly if some dude from UEFA is briefing some dude at the New York Times that, well, you know what? Actually, we think that they should get a one-year ban before they've actually sat and considered it. Well, of course that should go in the fucking bin, no? Like, is that not just... No, I, I
1: Well, I, I don't think... I, I, I don't think it's... Um, you, you might think that, but it's, it's just not the way it works. I mean, it's just no, not I mean, going to be... It, I, I don't believe that... Uh, unless City can directly show that on the balance of probabilities that the leaks effectively prejudiced the entire case such that they couldn't get a fair hearing, I think it's Mm. very unlikely that it would have any impact on Cass's view. And so let me
0: ask you another question then. Um, Maybe this will be the last one. Um, What if City turn up in court and show that no other settlement Uh, uh, no other situation or case like this was leaked by UEFA or anybody around UEFA to a media organisation, can they not then say that that implies that specifically the uh, case against City was on some level prejudiced?
1: Not really. I mean, they have to show on a balance of probabilities that they're right about the, the, the pleadings that they're making. And you have to remember that both sides are going to be lawyered up with, um, you know, high-quality QCs, high-quality uh, solicitors. Both parties will make high-quality arguments. I can promise you that. Mm, no, right? but what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm... I guess that for me,
0: I don't... What doesn't sit well with me is the idea that on the one hand, there's a clear, written obligation of confidentiality And then on the other hand, what you're saying to me effectively is that even though there's a clear written obligation of confidentiality, if UEFA or its people did indeed breach that, nobody's actually going to take that into account. Because if that's the case, why are they writing it in a contract?
1: No, because there are you've got to have. There's got to be damage. I mean, there's got to be. It goes back to the so what again. So if ultimately there was a breach of confidence but it had no impact, well, then the court shrugs its shoulders and says it had no impact. So, what, you know, yeah, we sympathise with you. Uh, yes, it's not very good. Yes, we're also puzzled in the words of this cast judgement. We're puzzled by it. But ultimately it made no difference and therefore, you know, so what? Um, the, the relevance of the confidentiality is that it should work towards getting a better quality of judgment. And if the confidentiality breach prevents that from happening, then it's a much more serious issue. But it's Mm. up to City, as the appellant, to show that it did. And if they can't show that, then they lose. And that's why the key focus will have to be on the strongest arguments. And those strongest arguments are bound to be those arguments around limitation Settlement periods outside of jurisdiction in terms of the time period that they're being looked at, which all on the face of it, by the way, you know, if let's say what city are saying is true about, um, you know, looking on page going back to page 11, that middle section, uh, if if what city say there that that the referral decision makes no allegations concerning the reporting period 16, 17, 17, 18. And it's also true that those were the only periods that the IC had jurisdiction to review. And that might be true. If it is, well, then City will win. You know, Mm. it seems to me that it's pretty clear cut in that that scenario. Because as City say in that next sentence, the IC has no jurisdiction to make determinations on matters relating to any point earlier in time. You know what? This
0: really does go some way to echoing some of the things that you said in the original podcast that we did back in April, May, something like that, um, when all this kind of stuff first broke. Look, to wrap this up, how do you feel having kind of your putting aside your support ahead? Yeah, just from a legal point of view. You've obviously took the time to to look through this and read the read the uh, the recent judgment, and I know that you've read other cast judgments.
1: Well, I've only read it very quickly. I mean, you know, so I, I would provide though anything I've said, you know, on this pod, it's it's not been a, I've not not spent hours on it, so that I, I may have missed some really salient points. It's perfectly possible, uh, and I may have made some mistakes about the various chambers I'm referring to. But you know, the quotes that we've talked about look pretty clear cut. I mean, how do I feel about it generally? Uh, it's a very difficult one to, to, to look at because I keep saying I'm torn by the quality of the adjudicatory chamber versus what look to me pretty obvious wins for city in terms okay. of these, these hurdles. It seems to me that you don't easily get over the settlement agreement period. You don't easily get over the limitation period. Period. Um, <laughs> Uh, you don't easily get over the fact that the IC wasn't even looking at the right periods in terms of its referral you know these are all points that I don't see how it doesn't seem obvious to me how UEFA gets over them but then again I just keep coming back to well then how the hell did the adjudicatory chamber get comfortable with them
0: do you think that that's why City okay so let me ask you a different question I know you're very cynical I know that you you know I quite like the fact that you, you really are quite hard on the club at times. But in this instance, right? Do you think maybe city's kind of intransigence and their shock and their anger is because of what you've just said? That on the face of it, this should have been kicked out of the adjudicatory chamber, that they should have looked at all of these facts and gone, no, we, we just, regardless of the, the Der Spiegel leaks, it's too late. We can't go back to this for all of these reasons.
1: Well, sort of, except there's a naivety there from, you know, if you look at the legal team that's detailed in this in this cast and you therefore look at City's legal team, right? So it's on page nine, bottom of page nine. Now, Simon Cliff is a very experienced general counsel at City. He's been there for many years. Uh, James Cranston, head of litigation, was at Clifford Chance up until recently, experienced litigator, understands the game. Uh, Paul Harris QC, top barrister. Uh, Roderick Thomas, Freshfields. Natalie Sheehan, Freshfields. I mean, these are, you know, there's no shortage of high-quality legal counsel and advice that they're getting there. They know that decisions can go certain ways and people can... uh, can um, uh, can lobby certain positions uh, and articulate certain legal arguments very well that could be contrary to them there are no certainties on this stuff and if City felt that they were in a certain position then they were being naive and so I'm you know, I don't know it's, I'm kind of torn on it I don't, you can't assume you, you, can't, you can't be um, City, City can't rely on some of the stuff they're relying on and be outraged by it, especially when they're not even suggesting that they did no wrong. Not not in these. Mm. They may be in the actual appeal. I don't know. You know, they may be going sort of breach by breach in the appeal and saying you've misread it. It's not right. We've got an audit. The audit was complete. The audit is not wrong, and therefore your analysis of the sponsorship agreement is wrong. And legally, we didn't. Yeah, but they don't need to do, do anything wrong but they don't need to do that
0: if they feel that they... So I I think actually you're absolutely right. I think that this is the first layer. I think that at CAS, there will be both this outer shell, which is, you know what, you can't touch any of this because it's all in a settlement agreement that's already been signed off on. And I think that the, the layer below it will also go... And also the facts of these leaks are incorrect because we have audited accounts... From the auditors, and we also have PwC UEFA's auditors who, at the time,
1: looked at all of these sponsorship deals and actually well, that'll go uh, no, but that'll just go into the that'll go into the arguments around the settlement agreement that stuff because effectively what the settlement agreement will say is, you know, worse to the effect that after the process they came to the settlement and that mm. therefore incorporates whatever work PwC did in looking at these uh, these transactions. It's all covered. I mean, I doubt City at Cass. I'm not even sure Cass has the jurisdiction to go breach by breach and and, and effect if uh, and in effect create a trial of of these matters one by one. Mm. I, I doubt I doubt Cass is in a position to do that. So I suspect that, um, that the I suspect that the process will be a bit higher level than that. But I don't I don't know for sure. Uh, But certainly these points, these simple, relatively simple points on limitations and how those limitations apply and what those limitations apply to uh, look like they should be fairly clear cut. I mean, you know, it seems to me that City are on the face of it on those points on fairly firm ground. But as I say, how, how did we manage to get to this point if it is so obvious?
0: yeah and as I say for me I think the only explanation can be a politically motivated uh, prosecution that's the word I was looking for
1: Um, right Stefan thank you very much we'll stick all of the links um, there's all all of these various links that people can have a look at themselves in terms of who the judge is and all of these statements We'll, we'll put them all in the wherever you can put them in the notes
0: Yep. We'll just do, we'll do a tweet after the tweet with the podcast podcast itself. So when this pod comes out, there'll be two tweets and the second tweet will have links to the documents that we're discussing. Um, Mike, Stefan, thank you very much. Cheers. Everybody who listened, thank you very much. I guess we'll be back with more FFP bollocks sooner or later.